Dude, James, that was a pretty, pretty sick podcast. What do you think? Sure, man. It's all about social growth. Everyone's moving away or diversifying from SEO traffic, smashing out social growth and growing these multiple brands on Twitter, LinkedIn. I mean, I think what Chase has done with that is, is pretty intense. Yeah, I think he, he might be like the biggest guy we've had so far on LinkedIn. No, LinkedIn? no, that's, that's, that's a lie. Sorry, shout out to Brian Dean from Backlinko. Uh, <laughs> that guy's definitely bigger. Uh, but Ch no, Ch Chase, Chase is absolutely crushing it on LinkedIn. I think he said 160K followers in a couple months. Uh, wild. Crazy. And yeah, I think he's, he's, he's he reminds me a lot about uh like similar guests we've had on like i think there's a overarching theme they're, they're mostly just doers they don't think too much mm -hmm. about it they don't overanalyze they just do it um mm -hmm. and i think three times a damn day three times a day <laughs> who does that dude i can Crazy. barely come up with content once a day that's so i hard. tried it i lasted about two weeks <laughs> yeah it's so tough um but yeah he I think there's a, a lot of clips I can cut from this episode. A lot of nuggets in there. Honestly, I think uh, actionables is this is the podcast for, for it. Yeah, for sure. So if anyone makes sure you follow Chase and then check out what he's doing and then start your own Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever it is and get posting. Yeah. And uh, guys, I think this is the first podcast where we haven't had a sponsor. So tough one. Times are tough out here. So I think instead, in place of a sponsor today, you guys should just go smash that like button on YouTube yeah. and go, give us a subscribe because we got, we got mouths to feed. You know, we we gotta we gotta get out. We we gotta get to the YouTube monetization. Um, huh. The 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 pod has been doing well on YouTube the last couple of weeks. Um, it's been good, good ever since Dom. So uh, Dom Wells, <laughs> if you're listening. You, really let us down with that one. Um, but if you guys haven't listened to it, I think it was episode 19 or something like that. Go, go give it a listen. Uh, we, we need some juice on that one as well. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the pod. Give it a listen, guys. It was a good one. What's good, everyone? It's Jackie Chow. And this is James DeLacy. And you're listening to This Week in Digital Marketing. All right. Uh, welcome to This Week in Digital Marketing. My name is Jackie Chow. My co-host is James DeLacy. And we have a special guest on today. His name is Chase Diamond. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, why don't you give the audience a quick intro? Yeah, what's up, guys? Excited to be here. Uh, the high level is I'm a partner at a marketing agency. We've got about 140 employees, about 150 clients. And then outside of that, which is really the thing that I'm most excited about, is just kind of like the the Chase personal brand. So it includes things like you know, newsletters and social channels and courses and et cetera. So uh, email marketing is really kind of the core of everything I do and been doing it for a long time, run about, you know, agency does about eight figures, low eight figures. And then the other things do, you know, about seven figures. So kind of run a couple different businesses. And like you guys just love building products that consumers all over the world use. That's amazing, man. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, email marketing is doing its rounds with the, the niche site community right now. So I, that's why I really wanted to have you on and uh, very excited to just uh, destroy you with some questions. Um, yeah, Let's I really appreciate it. And uh, first off, congratulations, man. Um, you just had a kid, right? Yeah, I was like, oh man, what did I do? But yeah, thank you. I had a, I had a kid about nine weeks ago. So 
I've got two girls now and life is hectic as can be, but I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how, I, I was doing a bit of research, man, your LinkedIn game is on point. I, I don't think <laughs> I've, you. I think yours, yours is the largest LinkedIn account we've had on the show. Uh, how did you get started with that? And a lot of people say they just translate, uh, transform like tweets into LinkedIn posts, but I don't think that actually works. Would you agree with that? Or would you say you got to um, tweak it slightly for uh, LinkedIn? Yeah, there's a couple of things I want to get to. So taking one step back, I want to talk about like newsletter, Twitter, and LinkedIn sure. kind of as like one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as an email guy through and through, right? Like I see the relationship between email and social where email feeds social and social feeds email. Email is a really powerful tool, but it's only as good as the traffic and the leads you have coming through. So for someone building a personal brand, courses, however you're doing it, oftentimes going hard on organic social is a great way to do it. I'm not really great at video. You know, most of the stuff I like to do is written. So it's things like newsletters, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And I basically use my Twitter and my LinkedIn to drive tons of traffic to my newsletter. And then every week through my newsletter, I send traffic back to the, the other sites. So I was actually doing a presentation a couple of weeks ago. And of the 75,000 email subscribers I have, uh, Twitter's accounted for, I don't know, about 35 to 37,000 of that 75,000. And then LinkedIn was about 30 to 31,000. So it was like 90 something percent of my you know, email subs have come from specifically Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn, I've been going really hard on for the last seven months. I've gone from 27,000 followers to, I don't know, like 185,000 followers in seven months. And Twitter, I've gone hard on for the past two years. So I'll break it down more, but that's kind of the context. Does that make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so um, you, uh, you don't use, use any paid for your email subs? Very little. Um, That's wild. Very little. Yeah. So what I've done is specifically on Twitter, um, if I have a tweet go and do well, I'll kind of just retarget my own followers with that same tweet. And then like the secondary tweet or the secondary part of that thread is some kind of call to action or a plug of the newsletter. Um, But I've spent, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars a month on it. Very little. Most of it's just around promoting Mm. content. I haven't really ever run traffic to the newsletter per se. Crazy. Um, why is that? It's just... uh, yeah, it, I think it's a couple of things. Like one is like, I'm from the newsletter kind of media background where traditionally um, the way that we are doing it, there wasn't like info products, there wasn't agency, there wasn't all these things. So the cost per sub, you know, you had to acquire subs at, you know, cents, you know, you know, 10 cents, 20 cents, 30 cents, mm. upwards, maybe of a dollar to be profitable because oftentimes we were doing like affiliate plays or we we're doing sponsorship plays, but we were focused initially on building out massive audiences. So I think just like from the, the, the background of being really scrappy and having to acquire subscribers for really cheap, it never really made sense. You know, I think as I understand now more in this business that I can sell courses and I can sell sponsorships and I can sell these other things, you know, my lifetime value of the subscribers worth a lot more than it was previously. Um, but the other reason too, is like, you know, I've got two kids at home. I run like six or seven businesses. This, this channel for me, is just like more of like a passion and a hobby that feeds the other things. I think this was my main thing or one of my, my focuses. I'd probably run it more disciplined or I would run more traffic. I'd have more attribution set up. I'd do more things. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't think, I don't think that's a, a great answer, but that's the honest answer. Yeah. I mean, we like honesty here. Um, so of the, of the two channels, 
or yeah, of the two channels, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, which one are you more like primarily focused on time-wise? Because like your LinkedIn is blowing up like way quicker than your Twitter. I, yeah, I it's, believe, it's right? switched greatly. Yeah, so um, I was really, really bullish on Twitter. Not that I'm not bullish on Twitter, but right when Elon kind of first announced his interest in Twitter, I was kind of like, oh man, this is going to be either amazing for me or terrible, right? But I'm not willing to roll the dice. So I needed to start diversifying my channel. So um, at that point in time, I think I had like, I don't know, 80 or 90,000 followers on Twitter. Um, I only had like 20 something thousand on LinkedIn. I was like, where is the obvious play for where my content and my format could fit? And where's my audience? And it, it was LinkedIn. So in August, I, to the point that in question you asked earlier, I started repurposing tweets, just screenshots of tweets and whatnot. And I think LinkedIn and Twitter actually are more similar than they are different. And the fact that like what works on Twitter in terms of everything from like content to getting engagement to virality is really relevant on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn's actually easier though, because less people are creating um, and less people are creating kind of like the Twitter creators create. It's a very unique style and it's very growth focused. So um, just like there's threads on Twitter that do well on LinkedIn, now it's called carousels, which basically is like a PDF version of your thread. Um, and, and just like on Twitter, getting people to engage with your tweets early, it's the same thing on LinkedIn. So now on LinkedIn, I have my own account, which has plus or minus about 185,000 followers at the time of recording. And then I also have built um, a number of other profiles that have, or when I say profiles, I guess pages, I should say, more like kind of quote unquote business pages, but they're more just theme pages. Uh, one is about AI. That page is probably 75 to 90 days old, has over 50,000 followers, and it's gotten probably That's six crazy. to seven million impressions on my content, all for free, all repurposing other people's content. So I spend maybe five minutes a day on that account, max. And then I also have one on copywriting. It's called daily copywriting. It has just shy 50,000. So it's at like 48 or 49,000. And that one is the oldest page. That page is about four or so months old. And then I've got a page around marketing, which is about 25,000. So all in between those three other accounts, I've got 125,000 followers, which were built on the back of my personal brand, but now help mm. fuel my content, right? So uh, for you mm. guys in SEO, it's almost like having your own high quality PBN. That's what I've built with my own theme pages where I can boost myself, where I could boost other people. Um, and it's just been crazy to see like kind of the compounding effect of that. That's wild. Um... Can you talk more about the pages? I've never even heard of this. Uh, the extent of my LinkedIn knowledge is like the newsletter <laughs> that I've been seeing on LinkedIn. That's, uh, do you use that, first of all? Is that even worth your time? I do. Um, the the jury's out if it's worth the time or not. The way that I mm -hmm. do it doesn't take a whole lot of time. So for me, it makes sense. So the, the thing I wish I did differently, though, I didn't realize when you started the newsletter that it pushes it to all your followers where I wish I would have waited until I had more followers to do that. Cause I kind of use like that one chance when I had like 20 or 30,000 followers. Mm. So what happened was, mm. is at 30,000 followers, I was like, Oh, I got this LinkedIn newsletter invitation. Like, why don't I join it? And I quickly got like 10 or 15,000 of my followers to actually opt in where I wish I'd waited till I'm out, not 180 based on the same yeah. math. I'd probably have, you know, 120 or 150,000 subscribers to my newsletter. The cool thing about the newsletter is it A, gives people a notification on LinkedIn when it goes live, mm -hmm. and it B, will actually send it to their email. Um, those are the cool things. So right now I'm at, I don't know, 60 something thousand people there. The annoying that's thing- still though, good. Yeah, it's, it's still good. The annoying mm -hmm. thing though, is it seems like people that are part of those want to like either 
like stay on the LinkedIn one or want to stay in kind of that ecosystem. And a lot less people want to mm -hmm. join my other newsletter. So what I'll typically do is I'll just repurpose kind of old newsletters or other types of content that I want to push out um, to people. So the way that I'm doing it, it's worth it to me. If I was creating net new content for the newsletter, every time I wanted to send it, it's kind of like a TBD it. if it would be worth it. Cause yeah. I've seen some results. Like I've seen sometimes a couple hundred people opt in or join something, but you know, on a 60,000 person email newsletter, if I was to do the same dedicated email, you know, I'd probably yeah. have thousands of people doing it. So it feels like the email newsletter that you actually own off LinkedIn is more valuable, but this is just an extra distribution channel that doesn't cost me anything. Did you grow those but, using, you mentioned with your personal brand. So you use your personal brand to leverage the growth on those pages, like sharing those posts onto your personal page. Exactly. So like I'll like okay. comment and then oftentimes repost. I've kind of <laughs> cut back on the reposting because I really want to keep my own timeline clean. But before, yeah, I was just reposting. And then every time those posts page, which every time I post from those pages, myself <laughs> and my few accounts in my network, will just all like and comment. And the way that the algorithm, obviously like on Twitter and LinkedIn reaches is like the stronger the profiles are, the sooner that they do it, the more that LinkedIn will then show it to A, your own audience and B, the other audiences. So, you know, between my account and the other accounts, I'm at north at 300,000 followers and my ambitious goal, I probably won't get there, but my ambitious goal is to get to a million followers in my network by the end of the year. Damn, that, that's a lot. And then I know LinkedIn's kind of mm -hmm. good towards B2B as well, but are there, are there niches that work? For example, I'm in the fitness niche. Would I be able to do something similar in fitness, but is LinkedIn, does LinkedIn have that kind of audience? Honestly, not sure. Most of the content I'm creating is around like more general mass audiences, like copywriting, marketing, yeah. email marketing, uh, AI. So I think like more folks with like a business inclination is kind of where mm. it's leading. That being said, like fitness is one of those things that's universal, right? Where like everyone yeah. in theory should or could benefit from it. So it actually might not be today, the platform in which people are creating fitness content. But if you were one of the first people, James, to, to do it, it might kind mm -hmm. of pick up and catch storm just because no one else really is doing it. Right. So yeah. I think it's like, it's so it's, the short answer is no, I don't think it's there today, but you can go create that demand because the, the people are there and they're interested in good content. Yeah. I've got one more question before you jump in Jackie, but if someone's going to <clears throat> listen to this and go, okay, I'm going to start LinkedIn, but I don't have that initial personal brand to boost these pages. How do you start with zero followers and essentially zero presence? Is there a way that, you can get traction is does the algorithm stop you from getting traction quickly? Yeah, it's definitely not like TikTok, right? Where like any person with a pulse yeah. post any video in the world could go viral. Um, LinkedIn, you need, you do need someone else to engage. So I think the yeah. way that you start, if you're just getting out there and you don't have a personal brand is like find like five or 10 coworkers or friends to just boost each other's content with, right? Just get yeah. in the repetition of creating, get some other eyeballs, get that dopamine rush, you know, and whatnot. And then I think over time, like, pay people to do it right like i've always paid for access and content and, and things from people like that's the, the biggest shortcut you know people don't want to buy courses people don't want to buy consulting people just want to learn for free and there's a lot of great stuff out there you know i think i create really great free content but all the value and all the sauce that i've ever gotten on newsletters on twitter and linkedin i've either befriended someone or i've paid for it and most of the time you know mm. you're paying for it in time or money and i'm just now about like how can i shortcut success and just pay for it so I think, yeah, to kind of circle back, create content, uh, leverage your other platforms potentially to drive traffic to LinkedIn. So if you're big on Instagram, move your Instagram audience to LinkedIn. If you have a newsletter, move over there. Or if you really are just starting from scratch, uh, engage with people that have similar followings, comment on people that have larger followings, add value, and just be interesting. And over time, if you're willing to grind it out, 
like you will build some kind of critical mass. Hmm. It's good advice for Twitter as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, dude, the pages idea is a really good idea. Um, I've actually heard of some Twitter accounts doing something similar. Like these, uh, I don't know if you've seen them before, but they're like the, these motivational quotes, stoic uh, accounts, and they're all owned by the same person with a link yeah. tree uh, <laughs> link in there. And they're selling like some gum tree ebook. But this, <laughs> this guy is like, he owns like 20 of these. And then every time one account posts, he just boosts all of them. Is yeah. this something similar, like your idea yeah. but on LinkedIn? Dude, that's a sick idea. Yeah, it's like the the I can't take the credit for it. like the people that really like inspired me to do this was like the Jerry Media guys. Like, you know, they had like the fuck Jerry and all those pages on mm -hmm. Instagram. Those were like really the people I think like pioneered this and I don't know what it was, like twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen. They really ran Instagram through their network. I don't know who specifically has done this on Twitter, but I've heard people talk about doing this on Twitter. Um, and not that no one's doing it on LinkedIn. I've seen very few people do it on LinkedIn and, and no one publicly is talking about it because it's one of those things that like, if it's working, you yeah. don't talk about, but you know, I'm a pretty open book. So yeah, I started, I started like with my personal account going hard seven months ago. I started the pages about four months ago. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to double down and I do it all myself on top of running all these other businesses. So going back Ooh. to the answer you asked, like, <laughs> why don't I do paid? Why don't I do this? Why don't I do that? It's like, I'm spread really thin, but I enjoy what I do. So I'm just really trying to figure out like where to double down Jackie, Man, I'm I feel doing like that right, I, right now yeah, on Twitter so actually I, I don't yeah. think I told you I might have told you about I paid um so there's a guy who does essentially like I guess you could call it high ticket coaching but essentially it's like a 500,000 follower Twitter and his business partner is the same and I paid them and they're building me a brand new Twitter account to 10k followers through me posting memes and whatnot every day and then they're boosting it and essentially that's, and then they have a revenue goal on top of that. So I'll be able to promote my stuff. So I'm literally just mm. doing that right now on Twitter. Dude, that's, that's so smart. It's like, if someone has done it and they've proven to do it, just pay them to do it or to teach you how to do it. Right. Like mm. and it's something that not, not to be over promotion, but something that I've been thinking about for LinkedIn, like is offering a service like that. Yeah. That's all I'm going to, that's all I'm going to say, but like, because like I've done it. And I've never offered it before, but people have asked for it. So like when people, when you're doing it and people start asking for it, then they've validated the demand. So to the point that you're doing, like there are people like that on every single platform, um, find those people, right? Learn from those people, yeah. do it with them, have them do it for you. So I think that's smart. I'm curious to see what your results end up being. Mm. It's been, uh, yeah. it's been like a week and I've got 150 something followers yeah. so far. So it's growing slowly, growing slowly. I just post once a day in the morning, they boost it and then just go from there <laughs> yeah on on that note like i think the thing i've learned about linkedin is like it really is a volume game i post seven days a week i post minimum of three times per day everyone is kind of coming out on linkedin what? trying to post like once a day three different ideas every day you just finding stuff and reposting it or um so i've been because i have the because i've been going hard on on twitter for three years i've got this repository so i think oh, i okay. use linkedin in a really interesting way that people haven't so what I'll basically do because I have this backlog is I'll use Twitter advanced search. I'll basically type in a keyword. So copywriting, marketing, email marketing, I'll search my own posts and I have over a hundred likes over 200 likes. And I'll basically find every single one of my posts for the past, let's say three years that have got over a hundred likes. And then I'm basically just taking that post and repurposing it on LinkedIn. So mm. I actually have more content than I know what to do with at this point. So I, I mean, I probably should be posting seven times a day. Um, and I, I noticed that like going from once a day to three times a day, often sometimes five times a day, dude, every time I post, it gives me a chance of going viral. Like I, I posted something I think yesterday 
that it didn't think was going to hit. It was just something simple around talking about like, if you're an e-commerce brand, how you display discounts, whether it's a dollar off or percentage off depends on the price, you know, the, mm-hmm. the higher the price, you know, the more the dollar off looks better. Whereas the lower the price, you know, percentage off looks better. So if I give you an example of, let's say uh, $50, you know, 10% sounds better than $5 off, right? Even though they're the exact same thing. But if I tell you, Hey, it's a thousand dollar product, I'll give you a hundred dollars off versus saying 10%, the hundred dollars off sounds like more, right? So I just wrote this simple post, just kind of talking about like the psychology behind offers. Dude, I th- the last time I checked, I think it's like north of a thousand likes. It's like 50 to a hundred thousand impressions. And it was just like this simple, simple post oh. that I reposted. So I think going back to like, you're posting once a day on LinkedIn, like, or sorry, on Twitter, if you start posting two or three times, like in theory, you're not going to have, you know, the same results. You could potentially two or three exit. And most people talk about not posting on the weekends on LinkedIn. And there's like all this stuff. And I just think either people are lazy or they're blaming like the algorithm on like why they won't post more often the LinkedIn thing. It's like, just, just do more, like just hack it together. And mm-hmm. if you're obsessive, like I've become obsessive with LinkedIn and I'm just putting out so much demand that like, there's no way I can lose. It's like, it doesn't matter what happens. Like I am just brute forcing it and made it, made it happen. Like I'm just figuring it out every single day. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, you, you have such a strong basis though. Cause you're a copywriter through and through, right? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have definitely brute forced my way through Twitter and I'm like a terrible copywriter. So I think I agree that all we have to do is take more shots. Eventually it'll hit. Right. Yeah. Um, two, three times a day is wild though. Uh, is there any tools you use to, uh, schedule them? For example, do you use Taplio or you just literally just post onto LinkedIn? Uh, I have used things like Tweet Hunter and Taplio for like inspiration or like, mm-hmm. you know, auto DMs, but I don't, I don't schedule anything. Like when I post, well, I, I really want it to be like when I feel like things are active and when I can actually respond to things. One of the problems I know it's like with Twitter and LinkedIn is like, I was just like posting and then I would bail and I wasn't engaging. Right. And it kind of creates mm-hmm. like this thing where like initially you get this boost because people want to engage. And then once they realize over time that you don't engage back, their incentive to engage, you know, diminishes, right? So now every single time I post on LinkedIn, I allocate, you know, the, the 10, 15 minutes to post. And then I allocate another 10 to 15 minutes just to reply the first 10, 20, 30, 50 comments, right? So for, for me, mm-hmm. if I was just scheduling things, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. I would never remember when I posted it. And also for me, because I have the network now, I need the network to boost it. I'll post, mm-hmm. I'll go hustle. I'll go put on the other hats of like the AI page and the LinkedIn page and the marketing page, and I'll go engage with it. So I, I don't like scheduling for those reasons. I just like to be active. And I post it every day, different, every time's different days, right? Like I don't have the same 9 a.m. PST I'm posting. I post when like it fits into my schedule and when I feel like other people are, are around too, right? If I'm talking to a friend, they're like, hey, I'm on lunch. What's going on? It's like, if a few people say that, it's like, okay, maybe now's a great time for me to post. Everyone's on lunch and they're probably bored on social media. So I really get like that feeling every single day, multiple times per day of like mm-hmm. when I think I should post. And then I go either repurpose content or spend time creating content. Nice. What is your, um, so are the algorithms the same for pages? They're equivalent to an account at this point? It's interesting. Everyone says it's really hard to grow pages. I haven't had that experience. Like it's been almost easier for me to grow pages. Um, nice. So it feels like it is. I've heard people say like pages can get away posting more often than people. But like, again, like, I, you know, he says, she says, they say like, I don't even know like what to believe anymore. I've kind of just tuned out the noise where it's just like, 
a page or a person, if the content's good and you have the right distribution, like you're going to grow. So like on, on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. like on Twitter, like whatever you need good content, you need enough content and you need engagement, right? It's like, that's really that simple. It's like people overcomplicated, but good content, enough content and people to, to back you when you post, like that's literally all you need on Twitter and LinkedIn and you're going to do well. Gotcha. Is it, um, is the algo, do you feel at least, cause I know it's not public knowledge. Do you feel the algo is similar to LinkedIn? I mean, tw sorry, Twitter, whereas like they show it to a select group of people and, and if a percentage engage yes. with that post, it'll, they'll distribute it. Like it's like wider, wider until it goes viral. Yeah. So that's probably like one of the one universal things that most people agree on across like most platforms. Like the, the life of a post is either gonna be really short or kind of extended. Obviously each platform has a different lifespan, but like mm -hmm. the more people that engage earlier, the better. So as soon as I post, like literally within seconds, my pages are commenting and engaging like within like LinkedIn and Twitter, I found that like the first 60 minutes is the most important. And I'm way more obsessed with like the first five to 10 minutes. It's like, you know, after the first five or 10 minutes, like, I feel like if you've done a good enough job, it's going to kind of spread to the hour. And then if you've done a good enough job in the hour, it's going to keep you know, expanding. Dude, I have posts like my most liked post on LinkedIn is at like 45 or 50,000 likes and it still gets likes. And this was like, this was like a month or two ago. So certain posts oh, wow. and dude, I've done, I've done like a sponsored post with people on LinkedIn, for example. And like, I did it like a month ago and I, I still get the notification they're getting sales. It's like, it's kind of weird. Like not every post and not for super long, but like on LinkedIn, certain posts, like for whatever reason, just still rack up likes and engagement like a week or two later, which is kind of nuts. It's kind of unheard of other than like YouTube. Yeah, that, that does sound like YouTube, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I wonder why that is. Is it because some people just don't check LinkedIn as often and that's like just push the, their, the top of their feed or... Hmm. Or maybe someone in their networks, I, I don't know, it kind of has like this ripple effect where like maybe someone in my network saw it today, someone in someone else's network saw it tomorrow. And if they engage, it kind of has maybe like this ripple effect potentially. It's like my theory where like every day if someone engages, it kind of is almost like that six degrees of connection where like it kind of just keeps slowly expanding until like it, it dies, right? Until like there's no more new people mm -hmm. for LinkedIn to show it to. I don't know. It's, it's interesting though. Like, for example, like I did an affiliate for some guy and I literally got a sale today and I don't think I've talked about the guy's thing and. 30 plus days. Like I forgot to even post about yeah. this guy's thing. Huh? It's crazy. Um, is LinkedIn the, sorry for asking you so much about LinkedIn. Uh, we can move on to email happiness, but um, <laughs> doesn't matter. with, yeah, with, uh, LinkedIn, does it, do they also penalize links similar to Twitter? Yes. Talk yeah. So, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. Yeah. The posts with links get a lot less engagement. Um, what I do though, is I will post without a link. And then I'll just go edit the description after I post and include a link. So I won't have like the nice link preview, but the link will be in the post. And I mm -hmm. found, you know, it seems like that works better. Again, it's kind of just my antidote, but it seems like posting and then going after the post has been posted, updating it on uh, specifically LinkedIn has done better. Okay. Huh. Crazy, man. Um, I feel like I should be paying for this knowledge. You should, you should do like some sort of course on this or ebook or something. Uh, this is crazy. I don't think I've ever heard anyone share this much about LinkedIn before. Um, thank you. Wild, wild. Uh, yeah, mine is blown right now. So I guess moving on to Twitter, uh, I guess that's where you got started, right? You just started posting there, got some traction, early tweets. Um, you, I'm, I'm 
you don't do it anymore, but I guess you used to be a massive uh, thread boy, right? And that's how you got got huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, I post. I, I've only ever really done like one thread a week, and I still do that every Monday. I do a thread because it coincides with, with my newsletter. Um, but but, no, but none of my stuff is really like the the typical thread boy stuff. Like everything is about like marketing or email or yeah. copywriting. But <laughs> but what I was kind of alluding to in the beginning of the the pod was that like I use my newsletter now to grow my social. So for example. I will post uh, a thread on Twitter. I'll then repurpose that into a carousel on LinkedIn. And then whatever I'm feeling that week, lately it's been on LinkedIn, I'll within my newsletter say, hey, you know, today you can learn 12 copywriting tips, click here. And that will link out to my LinkedIn. So I'll post on LinkedIn. I'll really quickly send my newsletter. That way I send all the traffic and the engagement to my LinkedIn person, you know, profile and post within the first 10, 20 minutes of it going live, which then has a ripple effect. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how long it's been today, but like I posted the same thing today on, on LinkedIn. Let's see. So I posted this thing um, probably about two hours ago on my LinkedIn. And this thing is at 507 likes, uh, 96 comments, 59 reposts, and it's at uh, 58,827 impressions in about two hours. And by the, you know, by this time tomorrow, this thing will probably have minimum doubled potentially tripled so you know every monday my like newsletter post to social ends up driving like a hundred to two hundred thousand impressions because of all the people that already follow me and then all the people mm -hmm. that i'm sending there it's kind of like this double whammy in a good way where i'm just kind of like gaming the algorithm yeah i've uh i've definitely done that before um so i don't do it often though it's hard to fit it in so what I I would send out a tweet and then I would literally send it to my email list and be like, yeah. yo, go, go engage on this, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it helps. Is, yeah. Yeah. It does help. Um, I wonder if that's the thing is, I, I feel like when, when I do that, at least probably cause my posts are way lower quality than yours, but, uh, it, it does give a boost. People do go and like, and comment as I ask, cause it's like a, I, I do prompt them to do it. Um, the virality still comes feel, it feels more organic. So, the reach is like within your uh, newsletter, I feel at least. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's a good idea with LinkedIn at least. Uh, and also Twitter. Hmm. Your list is huge. So it, that's not your main message, right? That's just like part, like a section in your email. It's yeah, it's the it's first section. So like every, every Monday, okay. the, the newsletter format follows like the same thing. It's like <laughs> um, content sponsored, you know, whatever content, you know, subject line of the week, tips, popular thread last week, popular tweet last week, something like that. So I follow the same thing where like, it, it's really more natural. It's like, I'm not sending a dedicated blast every single time for someone to go do it or else I'd probably drive people crazy and they'd probably yeah. unsub. So I've worked it in really natively and organically into the post where I'm going to share the content. I either can share all the content within the email, but it's really long. I can share it on my website, but you know, I don't really have a purpose for my website because people are already on my list and I'm not really in a whole lot of SEO. So it's better use of my traffic pointing towards social because it compounds. Like it really is such a good compounder um, it that it drives people in each direction, which is really my goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I signed up to your newsletter and your uh, email flow is pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got some like nice automations set in. Uh, yes, yeah, so I remember you do... asking about my, sorry, go ahead. Let's say, so yeah, so what, what, what I do essentially is like, I have yeah. like a, a welcome series where the first email just thanks you kind of tells you and sets the expectation of like what you're going to get. And then it will send you to like one of my popular posts. 
the next one, which I think you might be getting to is like, I'll ask people like who they are and what they do. So that way I could learn about each person. Yeah. So based on whether they run like an e-commerce brand or a SaaS company, or they sell info products or they're an agency, I'll be able to, every person that clicks it, I'll tag their profile saying, you know, Jackie runs an agency, right? And James does, you know, fitness. He's an influencer, like whatever that looks like. I'll tag each person's profile specifically. So then I can segment based out saying, Hey, for offers or content around agencies, I'm going to send to Jackie. And for anything around, you know, growing a following around, you know, fitness, I'm going to send that to James. So I'll do that. And then I'll basically send people other, you know, hero content in the welcome series, just get them up to speed, offer a lot of value. After someone's opened 10 emails from me, they receive uh, five emails over the course of five days, introducing them to my main course and delivering them a hundred dollars off. And do this automation I set up probably a year, a year and a half ago. I haven't touched or thought about it since. Dude, this thing's done like 60 grand for me on autopilot, like just that one sequence. And then I've got a couple of these other sequences that introduce then other courses. Check out this course, check out that course. And dude, like they do six figures a year and I haven't thought about them, updated them or touched them in 12 months. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good idea. Um... Tell me about your course. Uh, pretty interested in that. Do Do you guys have like um, email like a email newsletter community as well? Like uh, you and like some, you know, uh, bigger creators. Do you have like a group chat where you just send your tweet or LinkedIn posts in there, and you're like, "Yo, go guys, it's time, it's go uh, time." Yes, yes, and no. On um, on like the the newsletter side. Like I'll just I'll just publish that and people like engage or or they don't. Um, on the course, like my my main hero course is like an e-commerce email marketing course. Where basically it's a really great beginner to intermediate course that teaches people like e-commerce email marketing strategy and execution. Um, that course is done north of like fifteen hundred sales and it's been you know ninety something percent organic. Almost all the sales have just come from my audience. So you know that course has done north of a million dollars since it launched. And then I have another five to six courses that are all related to things like email or copywriting. And then um, on the kind of, I guess the next part was kind of like the engagement side. Like I have certain people that I'll send things to just like, Hey, do you mind getting this post? Do you mind engaging with that post type of a thing? And, and they'll kind of send it back. So no like groups mm-hmm. per se, but just like a few buddies here and there that will sling posts back and forth too. Yeah. Yeah. Is there uh just out of curiosity, is there a reason why, you don't build like the news, I don't know, the morning brew for email marketing and then like spin out like a, an off brand. That's like, I don't know the, you know, there's a lot of them popping up nowadays. That's why I'm, yeah. I, I thought of you, uh, to be like at the forefront of this, but you're not, you, you're, you're building a personal brand, which I think I, I respect, I respect a lot. Uh, but these guys have their own newsletters and it looks like they're, they're gearing up to already sell you know, cause yeah. they're, you know, removing themselves a lot of the times. Uh, why haven't you done that? That could have been like a, a juicy exit as well. Right. Like if you just, um, in the beginning, just like eh, similar to your pages, I guess, for example. Yeah. And, and that's why I built the pages to like kind of diversify. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a couple of things. I think one is like under my newsletter, I have different like kind of, uh, episodes or kind of different seasons. If you'd call it where like every Monday is like email marketing, copywriting. Every Thursday is email marketing. And every Friday is like this series called Alex in my inbox where I have someone that writes as Alex. It's like an anonymous writer. So I kind of have like these 
specific things, the specific buckets and themes per day. Um, also though, uh, about three-ish months ago, I bought 50% of a website called Lose the Very. Um, it's just a super simple widget and tool that basically helps oh, people yeah, vary from their vocabulary. The site gets, uh, over the last 30 days, we had like 190,000 visits. So the site gets between, I don't know, 150 to 200,000 visits every single month. So I bought 50% of that site. It had no newsletter. I had no subscribers, no email collection. So since I've been involved for the past three, three and a half months, we've collected almost 40,000 emails. So we've gone from uh, zero to 40,000 people, um, you know, in, in 90 ish days. So I'm building out that newsletter and that business. We've, again, the revenue was small, but we've like three to four X revenue since I've got involved on that business. Uh, I was just in talks with potentially buying a minority stake in one of the larger uh, AI media companies right now and helping do the same thing. Uh, the, the deal fell through. There were just a few things that I was a little bit hesitant about with that deal. Um, and I'm kind of doing my own thing there. So I didn't feel like I needed to do it. But part of my play is buying or starting like these media companies that don't have my name. And then with things like the pages, like the AI page itself, you know, it just takes you to like a type form or like a landing page on my site, you know, and it's passively collected like a few thousand emails <laughs> over a couple months. So I am, I'm planning on building out more and planning on doing more, but like, I'm just, you know, I've got this agency, right. That I run, I've got these courses. I do every single quarter. I do virtual events. So I've just got so many things already. It's just like waiting for like the next right thing versus just jumping into something like I have been. Gotcha. Gotcha. <clears throat> Did you follow uh, a lot of, so I, I'm doing something similar, but on a way smaller scale right now, going quickly. Um, but my inspiration has always been, you know, what the Milk Road guys did. That was crazy. Did you follow along that? I, yeah, journey? I followed the journey. I've been doing, I've been doing this like for a while. Like the first newsletter I built because like, in like 2017, I took it from zero to half a million subscribers in ten months. Um, so that Wait, was in 2017. Really? Yeah, so what? I've been building newsletters since 2017. <laughs> but that story of what the Milk Road done it, has done is is just fascinating. So yeah, I definitely followed that. Wait, you didn't even talk about the zero to. What the fuck? <clears throat> Zero to half a million? Did you just say that? Yeah, in, in 10 months with, with uh, very little traditional paid dollars. Can you talk about that or are you under like NDA? I, I could talk a little bit about it. Um, it's Which niche this. is it in? Uh, travel. Uh, in tra oh, in travel. cool. So essentially it was like a travel newsletter that inspired people to discover the world, both well-known places and places off the beaten path. So. It, it was very much like the hustle morning brew, the skim. And, and that was a lot of the inspiration we took back then. I think like the hustle and morning brew had probably started like a year or two before us. Um, and we wanted mm -hmm. to do that same thing for travel. So essentially what we did is we built tools that aggregated data off of Instagram. So it would pull from the people's bio or their contact fund. And we would pull things like hashtag travel or people that tagged uh, Bali, Indonesia or people that followed Nat Geo. So we know that they had some kind of travel inclination. We got a list of about 5 million people. And we sent highly personalized emails and cold email was our I'll largest channel. That, yeah. uh, I, I talked about this a little bit, but cold email is yeah. our largest channel, acquired a couple hundred thousand subs there. We then went into running giveaways where we would give five days, four nights, airfare and hotel in Hawaii or Bali. And we would get tens of thousands of people to join these. Most of them were people already in our audience, but every time we would acquire, you know, thousands of new people, five, seven, 10,000 new people sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, we also built and bought uh, Instagram theme pages. So I acquired, I don't know, like half a dozen or so pages on Instagram that were like viral travel accounts. And then I just rebranded them. 
and then it would just feature tons of people in the community and, and they would reshare us. So it kind of had this effect where I acquired, I don't know, 500,000 to a million followers. And then I grew the audience from 500K to 1 million uh, to about 2.2 million followers uh, pretty quickly. And then we had like ambassador Crazy. programs. So <clears throat> that was like my first kind of thing into doing that. But I've kind of done like growth hacking, growth marketing a while before that I built and scaled um, a product that connects students on college campuses with others in their classroom to make learning more collaborative. And we scaled that to hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of college students on the back of automating, joining college Facebook groups and creating mm -hmm. profiles of attractive mm -hmm. girls with pr their permission and just posting like all these things. So like th this has been like a long time in the coming of acquired hundreds of thousands, millions of users for SaaS, for communities, for newsletters, et cetera. Damn. Would you go back to uh, Instagram, Chase, and, and build Instagram? Because it sounds like you just focus on LinkedIn, Twitter. Is Instagram kind of with the algorithm kind of fucked right now? Yeah, I don't know. I've never really done well on Instagram personally, like for the personal brand. And most stuff I'm doing now is like personal brand related. Um, I have a page there, but like, you know, it's a copywriting page that only has like 1,500 or 2,000 followers. But literally all I do is post and then share my own story. So it's not going to ever probably get that big. Um, I don't know. I see people doing well with Instagram. I just really know what I'm good at. And I'm just doubling down at the things I'm good at and, and staying away from the things that like I don't understand. Like I don't understand TikTok. <laughs> I don't understand YouTube. I don't understand Instagram. I don't understand Facebook, but I'm really good at LinkedIn, Twitter, and the newsletter. So I'm just trying to do more of those things. Dude, you know what you should just do? You should just uh, go on a bunch of podcasts like this and then just have <laughs> some, some guy go through and just cut it up um, and just post on TikTok and like yeah. across all the platforms. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're going to be cutting this episode up like into hella clips. It's going to be good. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would require me doing these. So like I, <clears throat> I went really hard in the beginning on going on other people's podcasts. And then I've pretty much for like the last six months said no to almost everything. Like I'll probably do one podcast a quarter maybe at this point. I've just found hmm. that like, again, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Not saying that I wouldn't have been here otherwise. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, cool. But, but I've noticed that like... Man you kind of cross this chasm where like in the beginning you, you need and want to leverage other people's audiences. And then as you evolve, dude, if I was to spend an hour building my own stuff, instead of going on someone else's show for an hour, I'm going to have a way greater return and a great writer effect by just owning it myself and doing it myself. But yeah, like if I was going to do like the, the video channels, like I could and should do more of these. It just, mm -hmm. it hasn't been center and core to like what's been successful for me. So it's like, I could do it, but I'm just getting pulled in so many directions as is that I'm really trying to say no and kind of reel it back in, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Um, I think at your level, it's uh, important to uh, manage your time wisely. Uh, like you said, time spent here is pulling away from other sources. Yeah, yeah and I'm happy to be here. Places. I just got kids screaming normally in the background, no, or my no. wife that needs my help. So it's just like, it's easier to hop off a phone call than I can't just be like, yo, Jack and James, I'm out. I got to run. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, no, that's a, uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think, uh, to speak on your current agency, how, how's that set up? You're a part owner or co co-founder? Um, how involved are you to the day from the day to day? Yeah. So myself and a partner started specifically an e-com email marketing agency in 2018. Okay. We were doing a lot of work with this company that did paid social for e-commerce. We merged our companies in about March of 2020. So it's been about three years since we, we merged it. Um, it's myself and I've got four other partners. So the four of us own it. Uh, mm -hmm. We're all kind of 
partners and kind of co-founders, but like this company is like kind of a newly formed one. Uh, we have uh, 139 employees across six countries. So about 50 to 60% of our people are in the States. We've got Canada, Mexico, Philippines, India, et cetera. Uh, we work with about 150 seven to nine figure e-commerce brands. So our smallest brands do north of a million dollars a year and our largest brands do, you know, into the hundreds of millions of, of dollars. Um, and at this point right now, I'm primarily like the face of the business and like the mm -hmm. kind of big lead generator, but I don't do a whole lot within the business. I mean, you shouldn't, if you're the lead generator, if that's all yeah. you, that's, I mean, that's the hardest part of an agency. Um, to, how I see a, an agency structure is, uh, like a, a fuck ton of salespeople and you kind of remove the need for that. Yeah. Right. Most of your team is yeah. in, in sales. I'm guessing, right. They're no, like, doers. uh, <clears throat> we, we maybe have myself, one of our, co like we, we probably have three to five people potentially in sales and, and it's like myself, one or two other partners and then like one or two people. So we're very lean on the sales side. Wait, you're closing the deals? No, 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 no. I, I, I was, uh, with, with having this new baby, I'm, I'm not anymore. Um, yeah. I was, okay. uh, I, I was, I was driving the leads and then closing them. Now we have other people. We have three to five people, probably maybe four to five people on the whole sales team, including people like me generating leads and then people that close. It's, it's very, very lean. Gotcha. And most of the people in that role are partners or like a GM. Whoa. Well, I guess because, um, the e-com guys that you speak to are huge sellers, right? You wouldn't yes. want to throw them at a, like a yeah. sales exec. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. With, okay. With the agency, like on the team I run, 40% uh, of our clients do between one to 10 million. And then 60% of our business does uh, 10 million plus. So majority of our people do North Bay figures. Crazy, crazy. And uh, what is it? Retainer based? Is it uh, revenue share based off of the email? Um, attribution or what's the business model there? Yeah, I've seen both. It's it's interesting, right? It's yeah, weird... different teams run different models. So on, on my side oh, of the house okay. on retention, which is uh, email SMS, it's just flat retainers. It ranges from like sixty five hundred dollars a month. It's like the bare minimum that we'll take, and then you know they push upwards to like fifteen twenty thousand dollars a month. Sometimes, like I can't say who, but we're in talks with like a you know a public company in the education space and. You know, that could be like a fifteen to twenty thousand dollar a month retainer for you know email and SMS. Uh, on the other side of the house, we do uh, things like paid search, paid social, etc., which typically is like a function of like a retainer plus percentage of spend, or a retainer or spend whatever's greater. So um, that side of the house is more variable and more performance based, um, and our side is more like fixed cost. That being said, like we we're kind of working more on this model right now. Like we want to become like the growth partner of your agency. So it's kind of becoming this formula of like, we have a, a base retainer. And then if we can meet certain kind of targets, we'll also get like performance comp too. So, you know, we just signed like a deal, I think at like 20K a month for a couple of our services. And if we outperform what they're currently at right now, then it, you know, kicks back additional compensation. It's a good model, man. Um, how do you feel about the people who say, uh, you know, I think we, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, a lot of, uh, let's just say these solopreneurs, they're really against agency model because they always claim, I, I, I'm an agency guy, so uh, yeah. I, I love, I personally love it. But um, they always say that agencies land 
after 100 employees at the sweet spot of like 10 to maybe 15% margins. Are you seeing that? Or are you thinking like, hey, no, it's um, at least in our niche, we've carved out, carved out something good where the margins will be a bit juicier? Yeah, dude, it, it depends. Like, I mean, each service lends itself to different margins. Um, we also kind of got smarter with having to go like overseas into like the Philippines to build a team there because our margins were around there. Um, it also depends on like what you're aiming for. Like right now, like we're really aggressively trying to grow. So um, partially strategically, but also partially just because like it's so expensive right now to have good people, um, our margins are lower. So I, I think like when we're not necessarily optimizing for like aggressive growth, like we are right now, we're probably more like in the ballpark of like 20 to 30%. But right now I'd say we're That's probably crazy. like in the ballpark of like, yeah, maybe 10 to 20% because we're kind of aggressively trying to grow. So we're probably under optimized right now. You know, our goal really was to sell the business already. We realized just like mm. where we need to get to be. Like we really need our EBITDA to be like minimum of 5 million and probably like seven to $8 million of EBITDA is really like the sweet spot where you get like a nice multiple. So we're probably like three to five years away, but we're trying to like really aggressively get there. So we're just hiring really good people, really expensive people, mm over investing in a process. Um, so that way we kind of, you know, inch towards the goal. So yeah, I think it's, it's fair to some degree, like with where we're probably at right now, but once we get through this and kind of optimize and as we push up our, our deal size and as we go for larger clients, um, I think we'll get back to where we were. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agency model, uh, after 5 million EBITDA is like four or five X, right? It depends. It depends on who's buying you. If it's like a PE, if oh, it's strategic, strategic okay. et cetera. Um, what we've been saying, and again, I don't, I don't know like where the market's at, like specifically today, like in these crazy times, when we were kind of going through like an initial process, just trying to like get a sense of like where we're at versus where we need to be. Um, it seemed like north of like five or 8 million of EBITDA, you were more looking at like potentially like a six to an AX with some of the, the higher end what? of what we were telling. Really? And most crazy. of like the, you know, small like one to two million maybe one to three million ebitda was more like two to four maybe three to five so yeah it, it depends the market right now could be c compressing everything so i don't know we haven't been shopping around but when we were mm -hmm. looking at kind of six to 12 months ago at everything they were saying if we could get north of like five to eight million ebitda that like six to eight wouldn't be you know uncommon or unreasonable and obviously right it's not paid all up front there's <clears> you know there's things like you get some, you probably get 30, 40% of your yeah. cash up front and then you're on an earnout, <clears throat> that type of thing. So it's not like we would get six or eight X up front. I, I wish that'd be great. If anyone's listening, wants to buy it for six or eight, six, <laughs> eight hit me up. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's probably not realistic. Yeah. And then Chase, I'm, I'm like a bit worried because you're, uh, a lot of the leads come from you. You're, you're going to be the main guy stuck in the earnout. Uh, that's gonna, that's gonna suck. Cause like, I'm pretty sure the rest of the partners can at least like step away and nothing will affect them like the day to day too much. But yeah, if you step away, your, your leads just stop. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, one of our partners is like our acting kind of CEO. So he's, he's yeah. stuck, he's stuck too. And then one, another one of our partners also does drive some, some deal flow too. So the, the three of the three of five of us probably are stuck for a bit, but like we, therefore we have to sign like really favorable terms, right? Like if, if we could get yeah. like, if we could get like a six or eight X on like 8 million in EBITDA, right? Like, you know, we, we don't want to go anywhere. Like we're, we're happy to stick around because oftentimes like the way that these work is 
they might roll they might roll people up so they might buy us and a couple other people let's say at, at 8 million ebit at 6x then by packaging us together you know in three or five years they might be able to go sell at 8 9 10x and the, the first bite might be small and then the larger bite you know you kind of make a lot of money so i know someone i was talking to a buddy i was on a walk with a buddy the other day and like one of his really good friends sold a recruiting firm the first time she sold it was at 50 million and then the next time the pe firm sold it again it was at like 250 million so she made more money on the second go uh, than the first go but but both times she got wealthy so yeah to, to your point like we are pretty dependent right now but between now and then hopefully we're like doing some other things so we're not stuck yeah yeah that's cool uh what kind of uh levers are you going to pull from uh your current numbers to that the sweet goal of like five to eight million EBITDA that you mentioned. Um, yeah, the, I think the biggest thing, like ever since we did the merge, like we've been really bad at cross selling. Like the email team was selling yeah. email, and the paid team was selling Polish, uh, paid. Like the big reason we came together is because we wanted to be like the growth team, and it took us like three years to finally like get here. And now the way that we're doing it is like we're structuring like deals where we want to be your team across the board. So if you look at that model, right? If we're signing. I don't know, 20, 25, 30-ish something thousand dollar retainer deals plus upside, you know, we, we, we only really need like probably less clients than we have now to make it work. The problem is right now, we've got legacy clients paying us $4,500 a month, or we've got other clients signing us only at one service for 6,500, 8,500. So we're really trying to go after like the whales and structure these deals where we need fewer of them to hit our numbers and we're signing long-term deals. In most cases, our deal structures are month to month with a 30 day out. But with some of these bigger companies, you know, they want, they want like 12 month proposals or 12 month contracts, which is great for us because we, we, we lock in. So we're trying yeah. to do, um, larger deals with fewer clients and kind of higher touch than like, you know, we have 150 clients right now doing about $10 million a year. We could probably do $20 million, you know, a year with similar amount of team and similar amount of work and same costs. So we're just trying to be better at deal structure and kind of sign better contracts and better relationships. Yeah. With these uh, larger companies, are you seeing that <clears throat> they're pushing for net 60, net 90 payment terms? And doesn't that like, at, at least uh, what, what I've seen with enterprise uh, SEO clients, man, these uh, payment <laughs> terms are pretty savage sometimes, you know, especially if they're publicly traded, they always push for those. And you can't say like, no. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. And no, I, I don't, and we're, we're kind of in the early stages. Like not that they're pushing necessarily for that, but like they just are so slow. Like it, it's been taking, we, we've been talking <laughs> to one company since like December and like, we're hoping to close them in the next like one or two months, which in our, in our world, like, you know, it's like a, a one call close typically. So it's like very slow. So we're afraid that like payments are probably gonna be slow too. We haven't necessarily had anyone ask for 60 or 90. That being said, clients on like net 30 end up paying net 60 or net, net 90. So it's almost like whether they ask for it or not, every client becomes, you know, net 14 late, net 30 late. So I don't know, no one's outward, right. ask for it, but yet everyone seems to lag on payments. So that's, that's a really big issue. And I think that's part of like what kills your margin and what, what part of why you're not as profitable is because you're just having to hold up so much like money, like yeah, in, tied up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like our receivables every month is just like almost giving me a heart attack. Like, you know, our, our headcount, our fixed cost, our monthly payouts just for the team are, are more than we ever thought we'd even get to in revenue. So it's like, it's crazy. So we're having to like, obviously leave money in the account for a float, 
it's yeah it's just a nightmare and all this stuff stresses me out so that's why i don't even think about it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm uh, actually one of the things i'm surprised about is uh the number of people that you have in the u.s that's wild you, you yeah. mentioned like 40 40 something percent that's 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 really high uh yeah that's uh extremely high especially with like everyone going remote i'm actually uh not yeah I guess uh, for key account managers, uh, key executors, that's important. Um, but yeah, huh? Yeah, is there is there a reason why you don't go uh, offshore a bit more? So we we've been starting to we've been building out like our Philippines team, like we're doing a lot of that. But we really want like our folks that are on the calls and in the accounts in the face of it to be, you know, U.S. or Canadian primarily. Sometimes <laughs> in Mexico. Um, yeah, it's just been the way that we've kind of grown. We've also recently did like an acquisition where most of their team was in the US, which we kind of inherited part of that. So mm -hmm. it, we're, we're aiming for like a decent split between like US and kind of like overseas. Um, so we've got a little bit of work to do, but we're, we're really building out that team. It's just like, yeah, we're, we're still in that learning phase. We're like, how's it going? Um, it feels like in the Philippines, they're amazing. They're great, but they have holidays every week. It feels like right and then um the, the other hard thing too is like just where, where they live there's always natural disasters so it, it, it has been tough sometimes and obviously you feel for them and you know we're not going to ask them to work when they don't have power um but we've, we've experienced a lot of that i don't know if it's specific regions that we're recruiting in but it just feels like they're offline a lot for for better or for worse for obviously legitimate reasons yeah hmm yeah, yeah, I've seen that as well. Um, a lot of outages in tons, their area. Dude, tons of tsunamis, tons of earthquakes, tons of things. And like some of these outages are like a day. And we've had outages like that are like a week long. And like we can't even get a hold of the people. And like we can't, like work aside, like a day or two, we can't get a hold of them for work. It's like, are you guys okay? Like, like we're, yeah. we're, we're deeply concerned. So I think that's part of it too, right? It's like just because it's such an unknown, it's like we'd rather have some extra coverage and some coverage where it's like, you know, internet's more stable, weather's more stable. Obviously anything can happen here too, but that's been, that's been part of it. I think we've had a few experiences where it's just been our whole team, like 20, 30, 40 people are out and it's just like, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. And then your company's at a standstill. Exactly. Hey, uh, uh, yeah. Last question for you, uh, before, cause I uh, gotta be mindful of the time. Um, you're with, you know, e-commerce getting or D to C companies getting wrecked nowadays. Are you seeing that in your space? Cause I'm pretty sure uh, email would be one of the first they would cut if like if, if it's like a huge company and their cash flow isn't good. I mean, you can take uh, Allbirds, you got yeah. Casper's getting wrecked. Uh, these larger e DDC companies are going down. Like the you know the the face of DDC yeah. has has been getting wrecked recently. Um, are you seeing that in your industry at all? Yes, um, we haven't seen a ton of churn. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. Yet we ha we obviously have okay. seen some. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's crazy. Like we're definitely off from like the heyday that was 12, 18, 24 months ago, right? Like it was a field goal. It was like, it was great. Like we were crushing it. They were crushing it. Um, the, it's, de there's definitely uncertainty, right? It's a little bit scary. We haven't seen a ton of it just yet, but all these things, there's like, there's a lag to it, right? It's like, you're kind yeah. of seeing, I think like the, the beginning to the middle wave. And I don't know like what our clients, are they in the middle wave? Are they the end wave? Are they, are they not in this wave? So it's it's scary. It's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed for you. Ho hopefully, uh, not yeah, no no turn on your side. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey man. 
<laughs> yeah, really appreciate your time today. One, sorry, one last question. Uh, curious, I've always uh, wondered this with uh, high achievers like you. What do you do with your money? Because I, I know I know you don't have like uh, crazy, you're, you're not out there, you know, on private jets with your two uh, daughters, you know? Um, no, dude. What are you, no, uh, what are you doing private. with your yeah. Don't do any of that. Um, honestly, I probably have more money in cash than I should. So my financial advisor has just been having me move everything over to like high yeah. yield savings and bonds and whatever, right? So doing a lot of that, um, I bought half that website uh, three months ago. I was about to buy, you know, another part of a website. Um, so I'm, I'm still looking at buying like a few sites uh, online, like a few media sites, primarily less content sites and more like widgets or kind of like sites that have some kind of utility. Um, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit of that. Uh, I invested like uh, some friends are working on like some car wash businesses where like they're buying the real estate building car nice. washes. So I'm kind of, they're kind of doing like a mini fund for that. So I, I invested in their first car wash, going to do a couple others, looking at investing in some like uh, commercial property and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm kind of just looking at like buying some online assets, boring bonds and kind of high yield saving accounts. And then a couple of different real estate things. And then I don't know, I'm, I'm always looking to just invest in the personal brand. So I'm spending good amount of money right now on like the personal brand and whatnot. So I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah. Hmm. No, I think uh, scary times with the SCB collapse. Let's just say that. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll, we'll see what the future has for us. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yo, Chase, really appreciate you coming on today. It was uh, fun talking, especially about your social media strategies. (laughs) Uh, Where can people find you? Uh, On Twitter. That's with the plug, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm Ecom Chase Diamond, no A in diamonds, D-I-M-O-N-D. And then on LinkedIn, I'm just Chase Diamond again, D-I-M-O-N-D. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks thanks you. a lot for your time, man. Of course. Take it easy. All right.